Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Battle Hymnal here on an early edition uh, after your Kentucky game. We are the video streaming product uh, with our sister uh, product, Chapel Bell Curve, which is our audio product. And we are here to talk about UGA versus UK. Uh, I think, you know, we all have a lot of hot takes. Hopefully we've cooled off in the last four hours um, a little bit. Things were getting pretty chippy there on the Discord. Oh, maybe we haven't cooled off. Things have been pretty chippy on the Shuffle Bell Curve Discord today. Uh, we wanted to come out a little bit early just because we had time to today and we wanted to sort of break down a little tape and just uh, get ourselves in the right frame of mind for a game that will probably decide the SEC East in Georgia versus Florida. So I am Nathan Lawrence, uh, part uh, founder and proprietor of Chapel Ball Curve, uh, your, everyone's favorite podcast about UJ stats. I'm joined by my co-hosts here today, uh, Graham Coffey, who is the, uh, we'll say, illustrious, infamous writer over at Dog Sorts. Say hello, Graham. Hello, Graham. Yeah, and also we were born. Hi. We were we are joined today back from his one episode hiatus by Josh Hancher uh, uh, of Dog Stats fame over on Twitter, who is our producer extraordinaire, all things technical man and general ftmf aficionado say hello josh hello and also i should write we should mention that i do do the stats blog on bulldog illustrated yes.com so those guys have been good to me and have given me a good audience and uh so if yeah. some so check me out usually i do an article monday or tuesday and then on fridays before the game so yeah right. absolutely let's so, uh, let, let's do three plays i think the first play we're going to do here uh if you want to just talk us through this is the fourth and one td there uh graham Show us this play. What does this play tell us? What are we doing? Right, so fourth and one, third quarter, opening drive of the second half. Georgia had been the worst team in the NCAA in fourth and one situations going back to the last season, one for our last eight. So it was good to see not just a conversion, but an explosive play for a touchdown. Um, this is what happens when you have some form of a running threat at quarterback. Uh, Bennett had kept it on the zone read a few times, especially in short yardage. And you see the Kentucky linebacker there does not fill the hole because he is trying to uh, make sure that Bennett doesn't have the ball. So just that little split second is the difference between maybe a turnover and a touchdown. Speaking yeah. of tur- speaking of turnovers, <laughs> <laughs> after Georgia dri- had driven down the field, uh, we're again, you know, putting with a chance to score a touchdown and, t- and take control of the game. And again, a batted ball comes up and Bennett again turns the ball over in the red zone. I think that was our third or fourth. You know, Dwan had a red zone turnover. We certainly had the red zone turnover in the Alabama game, which, you know, cost us all, you know, possibly the game, arguably. Um, this one certainly stymied our momentum and gave life to the Kentucky defense. And if you look at this play, I don't really do the uh, the break, the X and O's, but you can see right here. You know, he's got uh, the running back in the uh, the flat, or no, is that Burton, right? He's right here ready for this play. And instead of stepping up into this clean pocket, he just throws it, tries to throw it over the, the lineman who just does what he's supposed to do, knock his, puts his hands up, knocks the ball up. If he steps up in there, which is in a good clean pocket, and he's got an easy catch. I don't know if it goes for a touchdown, but certainly it's a good, clean, easy catch. But instead, he tries to throw it over the lineman, a batted ball, and a turnover. Yeah, and I, and I think... This is the thing that we've talked about a lot with uh, Stetson. The height's not the problem, right? Correct. Um, it, it, it's the in it, the and the arm strength is not the problem. It's it's decision making like this. When you have a clean pocket, you step up into the pocket, and, and that was right, not even that was actually right. pretty. Eff- 
effective job from Jamari Sawyer. But yeah, let, let's talk about another one. This uh, this is in the third quarter, and it's actually kind of the same thing almost happens here. We have uh, just a straight-up wide receiver screen, and you can see there's a crashing defensive end. As this, and this goes for a first down. But I think it's like generally the same problem, right? I mean, we're a step or two away from that being at the best a batted ball with two blue jerseys in the area, right? And it's like, yeah, I get it. That play worked. And the plays like that, sometimes it is like a bang, bang play where it's just like pretty, it's pretty quick, but it's clear. And to me, this shows that defenses have been trained that they just need to get their hands up against Stetson, right? That guy was not going for the quarterback. He was taking, he was trying to take away the wide receiver screen. And he had, yeah, he was unblocked because of the screen and he saw it and he was just trying to crash down on it. I, I just, that we could talk about, we're going to talk a lot of, a lot about the offense, but I think to me, the, the big takeaway from this game is like, no matter who plays, if Georgia plays like this, a quarterback against, uh, against Florida, we're not going to win. But, um, that was, it wasn't all bad. You know, there were some good things. Um, Graham, do you want us to like talk about the room game? Cause there were some good things. Let's look at uh, clip four with James Cook on the first drive of the game. The first drive of the game was a thing of beauty. I think we had 18 plays, all runs down the field. Um, There's a lot of variety, too. Yeah, so right here, this is probably the best run I've seen James Cook make since he's been at Georgia. He makes the first guy miss. He makes the second guy miss. But the thing that I got really excited about is big 69 there. Jamar... uh, is that Sawyer? Yeah, Jamari Sawyer coming out on the edge and doing a very nice job uh, getting to that. I believe that's either a safety. I think that's their safety. Yeah, so, I mean, he kind of clears that out, and it's the difference between seven yards and 12 yards. But we're seeing a lot of these big linemen getting down the field uh, compared to what we saw last year under Coley. Um, if we look at clip six as well, we're going to see not as – as dramatic but like look at the push we get on the offensive line here and just we block down the line i mean by the time milton hits the hole we've pushed the kentucky d line about four yards off the line of scrimmage and we just leaned on them i mean all day but really exceptionally well on that first drive it's also a great great block by trey mckitty too i mean for a yeah. guy that's a good receiving tight end um and to get that kind good. of action out of him is great what this is, is what do you say? Well, this is just a good example of why, even with the snap problems, that Trey Hill is still the uh, is still the center. I mean, yeah. just absolutely cleans his guy up in front of him, like uh, shifts a guy, and then maybe a little bit of a hold, but just like I, you know, all day long he was. I, I noticed in particular Trey Hill had a pretty good day getting up to the second level. I, I think the offensive line as a whole. I, I, I mean, we could talk about what Kirby said in the post game later. Um, we, we should go on to our next clip, but I think there, the truth to what Kirby said was that there were some good things happening. The offensive line looked good, um, but just the way modern offenses run, if you don't have somebody pulling the trigger that you trust, this is what's going to happen. You're gonna well, have- it, you know, t- we you know, lost in all this is that it was a, it, we didn't put up points on the board and that's the goal. I mean, I've been preaching it. We've got to put points on the board, but, you know, and we made mistakes, mistakes that they're going to, that are continuing to haunt us. And that's the frustrating part for a lot of fans, myself included, but we did, you know, just pulled up my rush, my express Excel spreadsheet here. And we had a 57% success rate running the ball. We 5.3 yards per play and a decent uh, EPA of 0.132. 
Um, so it's, it was a good day running the ball. I mean, and we committed to it we didn't throw, we, I mean, I think it was 14 passes or something. It was nine or 14. 14. Passing the ball. 14, nine or 13. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's frustrating that we did, that was a game plan to run the ball and we did that, but we didn't execute the other part, part of the offense. Sorry. Next, yeah. What's the next clip we're doing? Yeah. Let, let's look at, um, uh, clip 15. Right. And I, the point I want to make here is, this is, I think this is the agony and ecstasy of Stetson Bennett in one play. This is a very good read on the zone read. It really is. I mean, he, um, and I, I'm not sure if this might be designed. Hold on, I need to watch this again. So you got, you get a motion out to the play side from Cook. And then, yeah, I think he's actually reading 19 there. But I mean, it's a good read. He's very shifty. He gets outside. He gets a clear first down. But it's like, this is the problem, man. It's not how tall he is. It's. It's like if you are running to the outside to the yard or to the, um, you know, to the outline, you got to get that ball over. And at the very least, you got to cover up. And he just runs. It's like this. This is the, my core existential sort of question for Stetson Bennett as starting quarterback at UGA. If you were a liability in the passing game, we could probably still win if you are just steady. But if you're also a liability when running, what is the advantage of having you starting? I mean, I, I tweeted that out, you know, and Kirby talked. I can't remember. I wish I remembered who it was that asked the question. I may have been Dasher in the midweek press conference. He said, "What's Stetson been working on?" He said, "Well, he's been working on, you know, you know, all the things you expect him to work on." He said, "And but Kirby pointed out covering the ball, carrying it with two hands, holding it in two hands in the pocket, and you know, he got away with a fumble in the Alabama game, um, and he got away with a fumble here. So, you know, I tweeted it out. It's like if he's going to turn the ball over in the red zone, he's going to throw interceptions. And the, if he is a threat running the ball, but he fumbles on a, a decent you know percentage of plays, again, just so just what you're saying. What are we doing? Well, and that and then well, I don't have this play pulled up, but like we had a third and seven at the end of the game. And we'd been saying all week, throw to the open man on the check down, throw to the open man on the check down. He throws the check down into triple coverage. That's the point, right? It doesn't, like, if you don't have to have a rocket arm and be 6'8", like, you don't. Graham, what were you going to say? No, I would say, I mean, like, why is Stetson Bennett fighting for extra yardage, especially in that situation when you've already gotten the first down? It's like, yeah. he made that one hero play against Tennessee in the fourth quarter where he you know, spun out of that tackle and crawled over two guys for a first down. And ever since then, it's like he does dumb shit at the end of runs. It's just cover the ball up, get down, protect it. And, I mean, it's, you know, what we can talk about, let's get through the plays and we can yep. kind of, like, get deeper into the whole Stetson Bennett yeah. thing. But I also think that, like, some of the things that we're frustrated about and pinning on Stetson Bennett belong to Kirby Smart. Yeah. All right. What's the next play? Uh, all right, so let's look at some passes. Um, yeah. So clip 22, probably our best play of the day. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is – you know, I had to – I actually stepped away from the TV when this came up, but um, – so I missed it. But, I, you know, when I saw it on replay, I was like, oh, this is this is yeah, Coley versus Coffee. Beautiful play design. Uh, it's a play action to Cook, and he slips out. And, I mean, there's nobody around, and even the wheel route – which is kind of probably the second option there is open. Uh, SEC StatCat put up a great video on Twitter at halftime. And basically this is like ripped straight out of the Sarkeesian Alabama playbook. Not saying it wasn't in Mockin's playbook already because 
Monken has a great sophisticated playbook as well, but this is the type of creative action, especially like on a day where George is pounding the rock and running it over and over and over and running the ball, I think maybe three or even four to one, probably three to one to the number of times we passed it. Like this is what you want right here. And it's kind of reminiscent in some ways of the, the Lawrence Cager touchdown against Florida last year, except for it's, it's a running back instead of a wide receiver, but just the, the way that play design worked and the way the action of the wide receivers took all those zone defenders to the right side of the field and left the, the left boundary open. It's beautifully designed. And, and I mean, you know, to Stetson Bennett's credit, because we've given him a really hard time, as have a lot of people, it was a great play fake, and he delivered that ball in stride. You know, like there was not a situation where Cook got overthrown or had to wait on it, but – it was just exciting to see that. I thought, yeah, uh, it was awesome. And then you know that was when we were running the the hurry up offense a little bit. We had taken the ball into the scoring opportunity, and we didn't do anything with it. That's what's so completely infuriating about talking about this team right now is yeah. that if you and this was something that was on Reddit, and it's on Reddit, and I've been on Reddit, and people on Reddit are stupid, including me. <laughs> this is not a Todd Munkin thing. No, schematically, the no. plays are there. They are there. And I mean, let's look at the uh, let, let's look at our next play, because I think this is a good example. Graham, I know you wanted to talk about this is the catch to uh, to big up here. Yeah, yeah to Arnold Washington. I, I mean, this is uh, let's see. What's the clip number there? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. And so this is first play coming out. Or no, it's not the first play. But we got a first down and it's first and ten. First drive of the second half. And it's a beautiful, again, like a beautiful play action fake and sells it pretty well. But he's got a guy bearing down on him. And like, that's a beautiful touch pass. And we saw like, again, to his credit, because against Alabama, we we saw a lot of balls thrown to the boundary that were kind of just like rifled in there and didn't really have that good like arc on them. Um, And I don't know if he put that arc on it because he was getting hit and he sort of had to throw it falling away. But like, Either way, no matter how it went. It was All right, great can, I, can I say one thing here? As That was an awesome play, but look, again, look at that pocket if he steps up. And, you know, this play went – it was a good play, but are we – are the coaches going to tell him to maybe move into the pocket a little bit and then possibly – I mean, we, it's hard to complain about a play that goes for that yards, but that was – Hold on, roll back to the start of the snap. Okay. There so we go. We, so I'm just curious. I, I want to see kind of because he gets the fake off. Yeah, I mean, oh, honestly, yeah, I think if he steps up, he gets sacked right there. Truthfully. Well, you can see this guy breaking. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe so. I mean, there, there's one guy that beats him, and there's other guys making blocks. But I mean, it's an awesome play. We he made the play, and there's nothing wrong. I'd rather him certainly put that ball up and not take the sack uh, than yeah. than you know than. But I, I'm just throwing stuff out there, you know, because I, I think we've done a good job in pass pro. I think we've done a good job run blocking. Um, and I think the yeah. – I mean, yeah. just like what you said, the plays are there. The offensive – there's parts of the offense that are executing very, very well. <laughs> there's parts well, of I that. think, like, looking at our tight end room right now, I mean, John Fitzpatrick probably starts at most SEC schools, and he's our third-string guy. Um, McKinney has been great. Darnell Washington is – I think currently our highest highest graded run blocker 
according to PFF, and that includes all of our offensive linemen. Like he's been a monster in the run game, and he has the ability to do that. But that's what's so like tantalizing and frustrating about this offense is you've got weapons like that, and whether Stetson Bennett's a quarterback or not, like we threw the ball 13 times, you know. So it's like how many how many flashes of brilliance are you going to get from Darnell Washington in a game when we drop back to pass 13 times? Yeah. Okay. So do you guys want to do? Who wants to go first here? Because I know, I think Graham, you probably have like the most scathing, the most scathing run at things here, uh, or you have some things to say. Uh, I've got, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. The first one is that, like, I think, so I'm frustrated with a couple things. The first is that me as a fan, right? Like, and I want to be really clear that like what I'm saying here is from a fan lens. Like I wanted to see us come out and I didn't want us to throw the ball 40 times against Kentucky, but like maybe a a 24 pass attempt kind of day, get Stetson and the receivers some work, get things flowing and like inspire hope going into the Florida game. Like, right. That's, that's what we all wanted was to, to feel better coming into this week against Florida than we felt for the last two weeks with that sour taste against Alabama and Georgia just ran the ball all day. But I think the, the thing that frustrates me a lot is like, there's a lot of dumb people on the internet as you've already alluded to. Um, Yeah. me too. I can hear you. I can hear you. It's kind of awkward when you talk about me like that. No, I'm not I'm, saying I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but like I, I think there's all these people that are like in my mentions and stuff, like you know, Kirby mismanaged is mismanaging our quarterback room and like all this shit. And it's like I don't sit in practice, but if JT Daniels was healthy, he'd be playing. And by all accounts, Carson Beck isn't ready. Juan Mathis, I don't know what's going on there, but it's like I still think that we're stuck in this situation that we have. And it's like, we have a five-star that's not healthy and we had a stud quarterback in Jamie Newman that chose to opt out. And he took all the first team reps throughout the summer and fall practice for most of fall practice. So it's frustrating, but like, I also think there's a lot of like overreaction going on from people of, you know, let's tear down, smart or then let's tear down Stetson Bennett. And it's like Stetson Bennett is making some bad decisions, but it's also like, I'm pulling for the dude. I think we're all pulling for him, right? Like we want him to do well. And the reality is just like, there's not a better fucking option right now. And this is what we're stuck with. And it sucks because like, this is not going to be a, a national championship team in all likelihood, unless something changes dramatically. But this is where we are. And I also want to kind of like keep the perspective of, I didn't think we would have football at all back in June and July. So at least we're having games to watch and at least we're, we're getting to talk about some Georgia football, even if it's frustrating at times, like we have this distraction and that's really great, but yeah, man, I mean, Kirby Smart in his press conference when asked about why not, why we didn't throw the ball more and like his passing game, it's like, oh, well, the passing game is great. And I see it every day in practice. And I hope we get to show it in a game sometime. First of all, like that is your decision whether or not we get to show it in a game. Second of all, 
there is some truth to the fact that like Kentucky actually respected Stetson Bennett's arm today and gave us some running lanes. Like they didn't load up the box with 10 defenders or anything like that, but you've got all of this talent. Even I know Pickens is out, but it's like, you've got great wide receiver talent and we threw the ball 13 times, you know, and four of those were to our running back, James Cook. So, I mean, we threw nine passes at wide receivers today, five, five receptions for the whole wide receiver and tight end core on the day. And it's just, are we getting better? Right. You know, it's like, okay, we, we, we played really well on the O line and we ran the ball today, but it's like, is that, are we preparing for a potential rematch against Alabama or are we even comfortable now with the idea of beating Florida? Like, I don't know. I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts, but it's just. My thought is we, we can't play Alabama every week. Um, And I, and I think the game plan today was what, I mean, like it was a 65, 35 uh, run to pass game. Um, and we executed the run game really well, and we should have put up 24 to 28 points. We turned the ball over, and uh, and we and we gave up long drives too. I think Kirby's probably going to talk a lot about this week about you know some of these long drives that we gave up. You know, when it, coming out of the Auburn game, you know that first drive out of the halftime. You know, Auburn went on a six or seven minute drive, and he was frustrated with that again. And you know, Kentucky had two really long drives, I think, in the second quarter. So yeah. I think. I think he's going to want to see improvement there, and I'm sure he's going to probably deflect, try to to deflect some of the pressure away from his offensive um, unit to the defensive unit, saying that they can improve as well. Um, but we can't, like I said, going back to my point, we can't play Alabama every week. We we, play, we were playing Kentucky this week, which has got a pretty good defense. We needed to run the ball, and we got out of there with a win. Um, everything again is still in front of us. Uh, I think if we that that team that we that, that execution today on offense is not going to beat Florida, in my opinion. Certainly not going to beat Alabama and might have trouble against, um, you know, a, a, a Mississippi State that might get hot again or or Missouri, Missouri that's a really good team. So, um, you know, I think it's so funny. I think our roles are flipped. I was so pissed off coming out of the Alabama game and you were trying to calm the calm the nation, dog nation, Graham. Oh. And, now, and now you're a little you're feeling like I was at Alabama game and I'm seeing, hey, we executed the ball. We had 54 percent success rate. We got over six yards per play. You know, if we don't turn the ball over, even if we if we don't if we turn the ball over one less time, where I think I think we can get there out. Who is that? Is that me? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's not me. That's somebody's play play back in the computer. Um. All right, great. Uh, Nathan, go to it. Well, first of all, there are rumors on Twitter that Jordan Davis broke his arm. Um, Shit. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's true, but Jesus. Or uh, so if we if we lose Davis and Rochester, man, like it it might not matter. I okay. So I have several thoughts. First is like you have to come into the situation. Just think about how Kirby's dealt with the media and the fans this year. I mean, Kirby's not stupid, and I don't think it makes sense to to go into the conversation thinking Kirby's stupid. So. I mean, I think I, I don't have anything really like encouraging to say, so I apologize. But I think the situation just kind of is what it is, right? You lost your starting QB 18 days before the first game. Your backup QB is still hurt, presumably. Your third stringer apparently is just not ready, and you're playing your fourth string. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so if you're Kirby, I, 
I, I'm frustrated because I feel like he's using a playbook that doesn't work. I think what well, Ian, one of the guys that we that uh, we have on Discord was talking about this. It's like, you know, this this media relation playbook that Kirby's doing is is like vintage Saban, but he doesn't have the rings that Saban has that have earned him, I think, enough goodwill to act like this. It's like, look, we all know that this is not a good situation. We all know that we're not getting good play from our quarterback. Just say it. And I think that just acting like, well, Stetson did some good things. He handed the ball off well. Well, shit, man. Like, Dwan Mathis can probably hand the ball off well. And at least you've got a shot of doing something with him. And that's my frustration is, you know, I'm not at the practices. I don't know. Maybe Stetson Bennett's our best bet. So my frustration is twofold. A, if that's the case, then we need to know that. If if JT Daniels isn't ready to play, then we need to know that. And I, there's no... Look, he doesn't owe us anything. We're just fans. I get it. But at the end of the day, like this stuff has a cumulative effect. I am not saying Kirby Smart is on a short leash or that he's on the hot seat because he's not. But over a long enough period, bullshit like this will get you fired. And it's not now, and he's not on the hot seat, and that's not a problem. But it is a it is a cumulative thing. You cannot treat people like they're idiots. And Kirby Smart is smart enough to do it, but not smart enough, I think, to figure out that he shouldn't be. Right. If if JT Daniels isn't ready, just tell us that he's not ready. That's all it is. And right. at some point, the, the mind games with Stetson or whatever, Stetson said he didn't play well today. He knows. Shit, everybody knows. And I know you want to have faith in your quarterback, but what who is this helping? Right. Right now, I feel like that there's this weird, like external like PR crisis going on, on with UJ football. And it's just this is all unforced errors. It is a bad situation. It's been a weird year. If we go eight and two, fine. If we go seven and three, fine. It's 2020. We're lucky to have football. That's all great. But like, you cannot mishandle the PR like this, man. Like that is part of being a coach in 2020. And that's, that is my biggest frustration. Like, look, maybe if JT can't take a hit on that knee, he shouldn't be playing. And that's fine. It really is. And, and if, and if Jamie Newman, you know, wants to do what's best for him, that's also fine. But like, let's call a spade a spade here. Like, they're, it's inf- they're never going to do that. Did you hear Jeremy Pruitt after getting drilled by Alabama last week? He yeah, said, no, no, I get. I mean, I, it's like this is what, what I, I, I know they never do it, but I, they need to fuck. Mm, hold on. <laughs> they need to figure it out because this is not. I, I, I think it's not. They got no, game. no. But got, what I, what I'm saying is, this is not a coaching. Like, I don't know. I don't know shit about football. I never played football. That's I'll admit that I have three, I have three degrees in communications. This is what I know. I have an English degree and and I'm in a high, an upper level education degree. I am better at this than Kirby smart. So he should shut up and listen. You, you cannot mishandle the PR of a $30 million program like this on a day in and day out basis. You cannot, it does matter. And it doesn't matter if this is what savings playbook is because it's not going to work. It just isn't PR wise. It, I mean, I'm telling you, look, Kirby Winsonati, we're never talking about this again. It's probably, <laughs> it's, it's probably not a big deal. And somebody's got a mailman tattooed on their face. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and I'm saying, I'm not even saying this year. Like, I think that yeah. at this point, if Jordan's out for the rest of the year, it really doesn't matter if he's quarterback because we're going to start giving up some points and we're going to lose some games. And that's fine. And that it's not fine, but it kind of is what it is. Like, whatever uh, injuries happen. Like, but I just really think that, like, Kirby has not had the success to have this much slack with the media and the fans yet. And to, and just to act like, 
oh, well, I'm going to do what I do on my principles all the time. That might work in football, but it does not work when it comes to program management. It just doesn't. Well, I think I agree with what you're saying, first of all. So let me be clear on that. But like, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking about it. And it's like, yeah, he comes off as really petulant and kind of combative with the media. And I think like in the fan base, it creates this whole shit storm, right? Because like, I think there's people that listen to it and they actually believe that he believes what he's saying. And there's people that are like, Oh my God, he actually thinks that Stetson had a great game or, you know, he actually thinks all this stuff. And the thing that I'm trying to remember, cause I got frustrated watching that, that press conference as well, but I've, you know, I've listened to him tear down, his entire team unit by unit after 30 point wins against good teams before. So I think he's trying to manage the psyche of this team. And yeah. he's trying That's, to, he, he, I think if you, if you put him on truth serum, he wouldn't ever do a press conference again. I don't think any co- most coaches wouldn't, but right. he, he's there. He, he's there for his guys and his guys hear what he's saying and they don't want to be thrown under the bus. And, uh, you know, I think Stetson's a, a, you know, he's a pro. He's played a lot of football. He knows when he plays good and he, when he plays bad and stuff. And, and he gets up there and is a man about it. I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not looking for anything from, you know, from coach press conference, I guess. I, I just don't, they don't move the needle for me at all. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I'm looking for injury updates. I'm looking every now and then, you know, uh, yeah. but, but so I, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I'm not. I, I guess I'm not surprised, I guess, by, by what he's saying. And so. this might be, this is probably, this is probably like my English major bullshit because you're right. Like if he just came out there and was like Dabo and just was like, well, we're going to do what we're going to do. And it's just meaningless. That would be fine. But the tone of like, like affrontery from him is just infuriating because it's like these, you, like <laughs> you just want the, the, uh, the, I would prefer if it was just fluff. Yeah, actually, Aaron, Murray, Aaron Murray's not walking through that door. David Green's yeah. not walking through that door. I or mean, whatever. Like, I would prefer, <laughs> like the yeah. tone. The tone is what drives me crazy because it's like, like the things that we're pointing out. They are not like, oh, you've never played football. You don't understand football things. Like, right. there is there is not an objective stat by which you can support that. Like Stetson Bennett is a QB that's going to win you a national championship. It, there just isn't. Well, and, and it's like that's fine, but like, let's not pretend. I, see, after watching the Rick years, I always wanted a coach on the sideline with passion. So I get that out of Kirby. So he's got a long, long leash with me. So I don't really care what he says in front of a microphone. I love what he's doing on the sidelines. You know, I mean, like he'll get onto a guy. He'll, you know, when they screw up, you know, he'll, you know, he's getting onto his guys. He's coaching. I just, I, it, like I said, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. And I, and compared to Mark Rick, just sort of kind of, just you know. I just never, I just wanted somebody to play and coach with the passion that I had as a fan. And I, I, I get that out of Kirby. So, um, yeah. And, and I, and I think ultimately, I mean, what, what are y'all thinking about the rest of the season? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is it's a one, it's a one, it's a one game season every week because we just don't know. We're not, we, we're not a hundred percent on where we wanted to be and we're having to make do with what we want to be. So, um, you know, if we figure out a way to beat Florida, dude, FTMF, let's go. But so, it, I mean, it, here, here's my little bullet points of it. Number one, positive side of this game, probably like the most dominant rushing performance we've, performance we've seen from Georgia since maybe the 2017 season, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, and Mocking continues to be really creative. 
the thing that I'm going back to also is like we saw Georgia pass the ball well and move the ball through the air against Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama. Yes, I know, you know, things got ugly in the second half, but like we moved the ball through the air very well in that game. So we know they can do it. They just didn't do it today. And I think we all wanted to see that. So it was it was frustrating from that perspective, but it is what it is. And I mean, Kirby sits there and he swears we're a good passing team to the media. So we're going to find out if that's true probably next week because we're going to have to throw the ball to win that game. But yeah, I mean, there's the there's a lot of points left on the field. Like it felt like it also felt like at the same time, this game was all garbage time. As soon as Georgia went up 14, three on the first drive of the second half, like the offense was shuttered. I think we threw maybe a couple more passes and we just ran the ball up the middle the whole day. And it was like Kirby and Mark Stoops had a gentleman's agreement to just walk out of there on those terms. So we didn't learn very much, but like I still think this is an extremely dominant defense, even even if some guys are injured, which hopefully they aren't. But if anyone can afford injuries on defense, it's Georgia. Yeah, and I, I still think that like the talent on this offense, the sum of the parts, is equal to good enough to beat Florida next week. And we'll get into all that in our preview episode. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic because. If I know one thing about Kirby Smart, it's that he hates Florida with a passion and a fire of a thousand suns, right? And yeah, he was on the field. He was a true freshman reserve defensive back when Spurrier ran that reverse pass to hang 50 in Sanford Stadium back in 95 or 96, whenever it was. And he's never forgotten it and he never will. And Kirby Smart is Georgia's version of Steve Spurrier, and he will ter- torment Florida for all of his living days. Even when he's in a fucking rest home, he's going to be sending Dan Mullen like a box of shit with a fake name on it just to like, prank him. So I feel good that like maybe this was all kind of – not all, but like I do think there's probably a level of Georgia just saying, let's get through this game. Let's not show anything we don't have to show. Yeah, let's go down to Jacksonville next week and kick some ass. So yeah, they- we booed our offense in the first half of the last time we played Kentucky and heading into the uh, Florida week. So take us yeah. out, Nathan. I'm good. I just, I don't think I've ever been like at the ten thousand foot level lower on this team since <laughs> since since Smart has taken over. Like I think this is the most like I I think that there are serious existential questions. About the about the future of Kirby Smart's tenure, if he can't figure out how to let his get out of his own way and let his offensive coordinator run his offense, and 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 I don't think it has anything to do with Stetson Bennett, and it has nothing to do with this year even. I mean, we could lose three more games, and that and that question would be answered. We could go to the national championship, that question would be answered. And that that's you, I, I will I will leave. We could sign off in just a second. This is the last thing I'm going to say. You cannot win a national championship with. 2012 Alabama's team. You can't. Right. Right. And, I, and, and the thing is right now we don't even have a Jacob Coker. We don't even have a Greg McElroy. No. So, no, so know. the, this, and I, I just, this is my, this is my biggest existential fear for UGA football. If Kirby smart does not figure that out, he is not leaving here with a natty. That's it. It is what it is. 
And maybe Vox Vandergift is that. I don't know. Anyway, we got to get out of here before I talk myself into a hole. Hold on. One more, one more thing I do want to say, though, that like I'm struggling with a lot for all of us to ponder is it scares us to death when like Stetson Bennett drops back to pass. But it frustrates the shit out of us when he only passes 13 times in a game. And I don't know where like I wasn't, wasn't going to say it. The happy middle point there is. But yeah, I mean, I, mean, I also yeah. think that, you know. If we win that game 28 3, which is totally in play, I think we're feeling totally different. If we well, beat Florida all next week, we'll be on here feeling totally different. Yeah, but, but I mean, the thing, something that I, I saw in Rivals, and I think Anthony Dasher wrote this earlier, is like, at this point, it seems like that your offense is just like run the ball, run, do play action to Darnell and Cook, um, just like run like the 1985 offense. And I think there's just an argument to be made with the, with the stuff that you have at hand, that that is the right call. So if that's the right call, why in the living fuck is Stetson Bennett your quarterback? Because True. if if all you're doing is deep shots, Dwan Mathis at least can run the ball, and he's got he a arm. Yeah, I, 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 that's ultimately that's that's my question. And like, I think I don't think Kirby owes me anything, but like, he also is not immune from these questions if he's going to make if he's going to mismanage the PR like this. That's ultimately anyway. Hey, we still might see Daniels, dude. I mean, I feel like if we beat Florida and there's a a game with Alabama looming out there. Like if he gets healthy, they're going to roll him out there. Even if it's the second to last game of the regular season. I sure as shit hope so, man. Anyway, um, this has been the battle hymnal. I'm sorry to leave us on a bummer note. Um, no, I'm not. I, I tell the truth. Anyway, this has been the battle hymnal. Uh, my name is Nathan Lawrence at Nathan J. Lawrence. You can also find us at Chapel Bell curve. That is Graham coffee. You can find him at dogs out West and at the battle hymnal. That is Josh Hancher. Hancher. You can find him at dog underscore stats. If you like what you heard here today, uh, give us a follow, give us a review on iTunes for the podcast. Um, let us know what you like. Yell at us on Twitter. If you want to yell at us on email, send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. If you really loved what you heard, you can you should hit us up on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash uh, chapel bell curve. That'll get you access to a really awesome community. Lots of live viewing, lots of discussions. We had a lot of talk about weather for whatever reason going on today. Um, so we will catch you next week in Jacksonville. Well, I don't think any of us are going, but our hearts and souls will be in Jacksonville. Uh, but until then, go dogs. Go dogs. Burr, 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 burr. Burr, 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 burr.